You're listening to Where Do We Grow From Here, the podcast that shares stories, strategies, and ideas to navigate life's challenges and come out stronger on the other side. Hello and welcome to episode two of the podcast and part two of our two-part series on why this podcast exists. My name is Chris Bucky Bateman and I'm a licensed marriage family therapist here in San Diego, California. And today I'm playing host as well as today's guest. Uh, It's a follow-up from last week's episode where I kind of shared my story and why I wanted to do this podcast in the first place. This was actually a really fun exercise for me to begin to look back over the last few weeks and say, what were the things that actually helped out, that moved me forward, that got me unstuck from those stuck places and helped me to grow from uh, challenging situations? And so I'm excited to share some of those and won't really go into my story today if you want to hear all that stuff. That was a, a little bit of harder conversation. But today, going to talk about the good stuff on how we grow from those hard situations. When we begin to talk about growth, we're actually talking about change is the fundamental question, what we do with change. There's an old joke that says, the only person who likes change is a wet baby. That's an old joke. It's not necessarily a funny joke. But none of us really like unwanted change, that changes like that feel out of control and usually bring a lot of discomfort with them. That change is, some people are hungry for change and it can be good if it's a promotion or getting married or a graduation, something you worked for and look forward to. But when things come into our lives that aren't necessarily wanted, then it becomes challenging and can get us in stuck places. John Maxwell or John C. Maxwell, who's a pastor and author of leadership books and, and growth books, says that change is inevitable, but growth is optional. Change is inevitable. It's going to happen whether you want it or not. But growth, growing out of those things, growing during those changes is an option that we have and something that we can choose. Now, this may not sound earth-shattering or groundbreaking in any way to you, but when you are faced with circumstances that you don't expect and that change is kind of happening to you, to realize that growth can happen in those situations, that you can grow from that is really empowering, that change is inevitable, growth is optional, was it opened my eyes to, oh man, okay, I don't have to remain stuck here for the rest of my life. There is hope. It's really hopeful that growth is not destination-based, that we can grow from no matter where we find ourselves. If you feel knocked down, if you feel like you're at a place that you never thought you would be, you can still grow from there. And in fact, you can grow sometimes in ways that you couldn't if you were if you had everything together for me taking on a growth mindset was kind of like setting sails into a great adventure that the wind is going to blow anyways and of the winds of change are going to blow anyways and so why not set sail and grow from it and harness that and move in a direction rather than just being tossed and pushed around and so from that I chose to become a lifelong learner. And in ways I had decided to be a a lifelong learner before that. The nice thing about being a lifelong learner or growth focused is that you get to remain curious, that it is hopeful, that when you have a failing in life, it it becomes a pivot point for you and you can change directions and, and move on from there. So really one of the fundamental things for me was just taking life and the changes that come 
and seeing those as opportunities for growth and and dedicating myself to becoming growth-oriented or growth-focused. The next thing that was pretty helpful to me was to give myself permission and the space to stop and take inventory of where I was and where I wanted to go. I felt like I had to just keep on moving, keep on moving. Kind of like a wounded animal that it, once it gets hurt, it just takes off running and just runs through the woods until it dies. That's what I felt like I was for a season. And so I had to give myself permission and say, okay, it's okay to stop. It's okay to take a break and take inventory, go to some counseling, slow down, take time off of uh, all the projects I have going and just allow myself some space in my life to find out what's wrong and what's going on with me. I think I could have gone years of just kind of making the best of it and sweeping things under the rug, but it was really helpful for me to orient myself to say, okay, this is where I'm at, that this is, these are the wounds that I have, and to essentially triage what was going on and what damage was done and where I was at in order for me to, to move forward. So giving yourself some space, giving myself some space to stop, take inventory of where you're at and where you're going. For me, that looked like uh, stopping and facing my fears because the wounds was really uh, looking at some of the fears that I hoped and wished would never come true. And a lot of us survive day to day, not really knowing what's going on beneath the surface and not really looking at those things. And so we get swept away by past thoughts and painful feelings and memories that come back and they push us in directions we don't want to go. That those are the currents that kind of run under under the surface that push us in those directions. And when we can begin to stop and look at, okay, this is what has happened to me. This is what's happening to me. This is what happened to my past. Then it frees us up to say, okay, this this is how I can combat that. And this is where I really want to go. And we can, again, set sail in those directions. And being aware of the current helps us to navigate in a whole different way. How I did that once I took pause to say, okay, this is where you're at. These are the things that you may not like about you, but I took inventory and said, okay, what are the things that I want to be? Where do I want to be uh, as a man, as a person? And so I would go on these long walks and had written out what I called my mantra and read that into my phone and would have it play back to myself and would just listen to it and let it kind of wash over my brain. Here's, here's a little bit of my mantra. Um, I am loved by the creator of the universe. I am strong and confident. I will pursue health in all areas of my life. I am consistently becoming better, healthier, and more proficient at those things I am passionate about. I am surrounded by friends and family who love me. I'm a wonderful father and friend. I can offer who I am boldly to the world because who I am and what I offer is meaningful and full of purpose. And it goes on from there. But those are things that were not necessarily true or that I didn't believe in those moments, but that was where I wanted to go. And so once I took inventory of the fact that, gosh, there's a lot of things that I'm not living into as the person that I want to be, then I could begin to define where do I want to be and what do I want to, what are the goals that I do have and what are the things, if I was living as my best self, who would I be and what would I be? And the cool thing is to look back on that and know that some of those really rang hollow in the moment that 
that old AA slogan that says, fake it till you make it. I read those things over myself a million times and just didn't believe it. But now looking at those things, I, I say, yeah, that's me. Those, those, some of those things just feel like me. And there's something about that, about reminding yourself of who you are and who you want to be that just kind of gets into the fiber of your being. So taking the time to stop and take inventory of where I was and looking to kind of define where I wanted to go was really helpful in me of beginning the growth process. The next thing that was really helpful for me was to begin to take ownership of being the gatekeeper for what I allowed in my mind. I would just let any thoughts kind of overwhelm me. And when you find yourself in a bad place, it's easy to be overwhelmed with negative thoughts, whether it's from the outside or from the inside. And those outside, those external thoughts of how people see me or how people perceive me, that would overwhelm me at times. And then internally, those voices begin to echo in our lives and they become chatter in the background for us. And those wrong beliefs or accusations about us that say, you're not enough, you're alone, you'll never get what you want, they really begin to undermine any positive or healthy growth that can happen. Because when those things run in the background unchecked, they tell us, don't engage don't be this, you know, it's not worth it. You can't do this. It's, it's rare that people have thoughts that are just naturally like, you can do this, you can do it, you go get it. There's uh, most of the things that I hear people in counseling talk about is just this negativity and these anxious thoughts, the things that keep us up at night. And they're usually small things, but but they become big things in our minds and keep us from being who we want to be. So taking ownership of that and saying, nope, I'm not going to entertain those thoughts and I'm not going to give them power over me. And in the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I think, it talks about taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. But how do we begin to take thoughts captive? The first is to just tune into those thoughts. What are the thoughts that I'm having? And so for me, I would go on these long walks as negative thoughts would come up, or if I'd wake up in the middle of the night and have a negative thought, I would write it in my phone, just this, like, you're not enough, or you're not this, or nobody, whatever. And I would write it, and then I would come back to it later, because in the moment I kind of feel the brunt of it, but coming back to it later and saying, what's true about that? And holding it up to the light and saying, okay, there's a little bit of that's true, that this person doesn't want to be with me, but that doesn't mean that nobody wants to be with me, or that I'm unlovable. And so, Beginning to bring that out of the shadows, the, all those voices out of the shadows, just like anything else, they begin to lose their power when they come into the light. And so that was really powerful for me and helpful for me is really just shutting down or squelching some of the, the chatter that happened in the background or those negative thoughts that would kind of wash over me during the day. The flip side of that is also true is pursuing positivity, squelching the negativity that kind of just runs. And most people, we as people have a negative bias that we're critical and mostly critical of ourselves. So combating that bias with some positive habits and some positive rituals, pursuing positivity in my life, really training my brain to look for the good in life rather than the bad things in life. And so for me, what that looked like was I sat down and wrote a list of things that bring me joy, a list of things that I'm grateful for, from my kids to being able to walk to all kinds of stuff. And I posted that in my closet and pursued those things. I looked at it from day to day and said, okay, 
this, these are the things that I'm grateful for. And there's some great uh, research on gratitude and being grateful and how that can bring you joy. And so that was part of it. I did silly things like I bought a hummingbird feeder and put it right outside my kitchen window. And every time I would make coffee in the morning, I would stand there and drink coffee by the sink and watch these hummingbirds go back and forth. I think they were probably actually fighting over the food, but it was cool to watch to, to just see them come and, and look for food and eat there. And, and so those are some of the things I did. Pursuing some positive books, reading, reading, we say reading, but it was actually listening to books on Audible. That was really helpful for me. Listening to good podcasts, finding music and developing playlists that were happy and joyful. Those things all make a difference. And just allowing yourself to look at the good things in life rather than the, the painful things really kind of resets your brain. Zig Ziglar, who was a motivational speaker for businesses back in the day and a proponent for positive thinking, used to say, positive thinking won't let you do anything, but it will let you do everything better than negative thinking will. There are a lot of troubling and negative things in the world, but as we begin to develop the muscles of pursuing the good and pursuing positive things, it really trains our mind to look for the good and we begin to find it in different places where we didn't see it before. And so this journey of developing disciplines and habits and rituals that pursue the good, keeping a gratitude journal, keeping lists of things that that are true and healthy and, and good can begin to cultivate a joy in your life. One of the other things that was really helpful for me that I don't know if I was aware of as much at the time, but in retrospect, I look back and think, man, I had a great support network in that time of crisis in my life. And for me, it was kind of built in with my colleagues that I worked with, as well as I have two brothers and a good group of friends that would support me. And I was part of a small group. So I had some great people around me. Finding some good company for the journey is pretty important. That you have to be real, not with everybody, but you have to be real with a few people in order to stay sane and, and feel like, okay, I'm not crazy here. So finding people who are for you, who care about you, find people you can be real with, find people who get it and don't judge you or give you advice, but just listen to you. Finding people who are healthy. For me, that was a huge cross-section. There were people who were really close, who were kind of checking in on me from day to day. And then other people who were kind of, they just checked in from time to time or said, hey, I'm thinking about you or praying about you, praying for you, whatever. Um, and some people just showed up. You know, when I was at my worst, they were bringing me dinners and those kind of things, which was awesome. And so finding good company that's going to be for you and listen to you really can move you in a positive direction. And we all need good support in our lives. A couple of other things that were actually pretty helpful for me. One was taking care of myself physically. I actually had physical injuries, but even as I was recovering from those, I, I've talked about these long walks that I took. Exercising, regardless of what it was, whether it was intense exercise or just uh, basic walking and riding an exercise bike, those kind of things, really was the way that I began to learn to love myself, to just say, okay, I'm going to care for my body. I, what I eat and what I drink and what I, how I exercise, those kind of things are ways that I choose to love myself. When 
in those moments when I felt like I was unlovable, that was a way I could show care for myself and concern for myself. The hard part is some of our coping strategies are we eat too much, we drink too much, we go to those vices. And so tuning into that and taking care of the basics of letting, letting yourself sleep, you know, turning off the TV and turning off the phone and going to sleep at a, and giving yourself a good eight hours or waking up and exercising for 20 minutes in the morning or eating a good nutritious breakfast. Those, all those basic things when you're in crisis, they add up quickly because if you're not sleeping well, you tend to stay in crisis longer. If you're not eating right, you don't really think well and think logically. And so just when, when I was in crisis, having some people say, Hey, are you eating? Are you drinking? Are you drinking water? Are you sleeping enough? Are you exercising? All those basic things when you're in crisis make a difference. And so physically taking care of myself was, was part of uh, a pretty good routine of getting back on track. Along with that, another exercise that was helpful to me in a challenging season was to begin to learn something new, to try and learn something new every week or have a few different projects that were going on and be creative in my life. Part of that would look like going to meetup groups that were on different topics, doing CrossFit in the park or doing a nutrition thing or doing something where I'm challenging my mind and my brain, going on hikes, those kind of things. There's all kinds of meetup groups. Now they're probably all online as we're all sequestered in our homes. But doing meetup groups was really helpful for me and actually something that feels silly, but was actually really helpful to me when I was at home and and kind of homebound was taking on a hobby of watercolor painting, or I don't think you say watercolor painting. Painting with watercolors is probably a better way to say it. But I used to try and just paint one picture a day. I would choose somebody's picture and just try and mimic it. And there's something about growing and expanding your mind in a new way that just keeps things fresh, that says, okay, there's other possibilities, that life is not this small box that I'm living in, that there's a whole world outside of this that I can learn and I can grow. And it reminds yourself that life is not all bad, that you, it's not all crisis. And so uh, being creative and learning something new along the way was really helpful to me in navigating some challenging things. And finally, one thing that I found really helpful was how I viewed pain. Most of us, and for most of my life, I viewed pain as something to be avoided at all costs and would take the path of re least resistance in most areas of my life because of that, because I wanted to avoid emotional pain or the pain of rejection, those kind of things. And so as I began to take inventory of that and how I viewed pain, pain became more of an opportunity. Just as pain in the body is a signpost that, hey, something needs healing, something's not right, or something's out of whack, that emotional pain can give you those same cues. So pain cues are just that. They are pointing you, they're signposts that say, hey, something's wrong here, that either something got touched from your past that needs to heal. So it's an opportunity to go back and say, okay, what got touched there? What needs to heal in my life that is still painful in, my, in current day circumstances? Or it points to a fear that I need to overcome or a place that I need to grow in my life. Pain can also be part of growth. You know, if you've ever lifted weights, there's some pain that comes with it. So beginning to embrace that pain as the opportunity to grow 
really changed and set on its head how I viewed that and what I did with that. So as I begin to come up against a painful situation, I'm saying, okay, is there something that that's unresolved for me that needs to heal that's still painful or is this just the pains of growth and I can lean into those things and move through them rather than shy away from them and move away from them. So with all that being said, here is a quick summary of the topics that we talked about today. Number one, choose to develop a growth mindset that you can grow from anything. Two, allow yourself to feel what you need to feel in a crisis situation as you're going through stuff. Three, be a gatekeeper for your thoughts. Uh, be aware of the thoughts that are undermining your own success. Four, pursue positivity and gratitude in your life. Five, find good company for the journey. Build a support network that's all about supporting you. Six, learn something new. Be creative in the things that you do. Take time for yourself to do that. Seven, take care of yourself physically. Sleep when you got to sleep. Exercise when you should exercise. And eight, Learn to view pain as a signal rather than something to be avoided. Next week, we are fortunate enough to sit with the wonderful Mackenzie McGill or Mackenzie Wise, if you knew her back in the day, and she'll be talking about her journey with anxiety and her marriage this last year. Excited to sit with you again. Blessings as you go through the rest of your week. You can always reach out to me at chris at batemancounseling.com or reach me at batemancounseling.com on the web.